This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, April 21st. I'm Matt Hoish. In today's headlines, Planning Commission recommends Diamond Ridge Rezone, Telluride upholds transfer warehouse liquor license, Earth Flag flies over Main Street, and a mountain weather forecast. A new housing development in San Miguel County is drawing a divide between local residents. This week, the Diamond Ridge project went before the County Planning Commission for the first time. KOTO's Julia Caulfield has more. The Diamond Ridge housing development has cleared its first hurdle. The 105-acre parcel of land sits on Last Dollar Road, on Locals Loop, behind the airport, just before you drop down into Deep Creek. San Miguel County and the town of Telluride are in the process of purchasing the property with the plan to build an affordable housing neighborhood. On Thursday, the San Miguel County Planning Commission held a public hearing to discuss rezoning a portion of the land to the Community Housing Zone District from the Forestry, Agriculture and Open Zone District. The proposed land purchase and potential development has caused contention throughout the community, a fact Planning Commission Chair Lee Taylor made note of at the beginning of the meeting. Although this application is strictly about the rezoning recommendation, obviously the larger topic of the potential development that it represents hits pretty much all of the community's hot buttons, and we get that. We're all passionate about this place, and certainly the actions that we take in regards to this rezoning request matter. But let's remember that we're all neighbors here and let's treat each other with the respect that that relationship deserves. We all want what's best for the community, even though there's certainly disagreement as to what that means and how to go about it. He adds the scope of discussion for the planning commission is limited. This is not a development application. We're not setting densities. We're not finalizing design elements or locking in development requirements such as road improvements, traffic mitigation, or wildlife mitigation. According to Kay Simonson, San Miguel County Planning Director, the application is to rezone 39 acres of the 105. Under the Community Housing Zone District, developers could build 20 units of housing per acre. But Amy Markwell, San Miguel County attorney, notes that doesn't mean the development will reach max density. Even though the rezone indicates that you could have a density of a certain amount. That's not a guarantee because it's still based on all of the other factors, which would be the ability to serve with water, the ability to serve with, you know, sewer, the the ability to, you know, X, Y, and Z, because there's a bunch of factors that need to go into the development process. The local governments recently received a state grant to purchase the property. The grant stipulates at least 150 units of housing must go on the property. Markwell adds if the development is not able to go forward as planned, the zoning on the land could always change back to lower density than the community housing district. Gabby Voller is a planner with SE Group, a firm working with San Miguel County and the town of Telluride on the development. She says the first piece to think about when it comes to the rezone is what the potential development will do for the community. Before you today is an incredibly unique opportunity to preserve the spirit and character of Telluride by allowing a property to house residents of your community. Affordable housing is the number one stated priority of all jurisdictions within San Miguel County. A second priority is to reduce carbon emissions. 
A local worker that lives here instead of Down Valley with an average commute distance of 50 miles would emit 10.5 tons less CO2 per year than a current commuting employee. The link between housing and environmental impacts are incredible. Affordable housing is also a part of a healthy community where people who live there can participate. This rezoning is an important first step in making this neighborhood a reality. According to Voller, the proposed rezone meets the Planning Commission's nine standards of review, including meeting guidelines in the Land Use Code and the County Comprehensive Plan. She says the rezone could be supported by public facilities like transportation, water, wastewater, school and medical facilities. Voller adds they do not believe it would have significant negative impacts on the environment or traffic, and it would not conflict with public interest. But a number of community members disagree. While over 100 individuals provided written comment, primarily in support, the majority of comment at the meeting, largely from neighbors in the area, was against the rezone. Karen Lavender lives on the Mesa and is concerned about traffic. My husband and I live on one of the many blind curves on this route, and we've watched with dismay as traffic on Last Dollar Road has already increased tenfold over the past several years. I worry about my dogs when we want to cross the road to visit family. I can't teach my grandchildren to ride the bike out front because the majority of because of the majority of drivers who ignore the posted speed limit and come careening around our house. The thought of traffic becoming even worse scares and saddens me. Opponents also worry about the impact on wildlife on the property or the potential for further development in other parts of the Mesa. Lisa Henson, who also lives in the area, has concerns about losing the spirit of the Mesa. When the proposal is calling this a new neighborhood, like that would seem to define dense. Um, It's not just some housing, it's a whole neighborhood. And, you know, we look at Deep Creek as a precious, natural and undeveloped area. And to think that San Miguel County and the town of Telluride have agreed with a land developer like Jack Vickers to just throw away this natural jewel it's so heartbreaking, and it, it really begs the question of what does Telluride even care about these days? Still, there were those who spoke out in support. Geneva Shawnette is a member of Telluride Town Council. She agrees the Mesa is a beautiful piece of land and sees that as a benefit for creating affordable housing in the location. It is absolutely beautiful at the Deep Creek Mesa, and nobody disputes that. I take pride in this opportunity to pursue community housing development in a gorgeous location. Too often community housing is relegated to less desirable lots without sun, in the shade, tucked away. Um, And I feel like our community members and friends and neighbors and families deserve to live in such a place just like anybody else. John Miller acknowledges the project isn't perfect, but hopes to see it go forward. Every project is going to have significant impact on its region, whether it be on its neighbors, on the wildlife and on the the, uh, resources. But having a large, high-density project both is the best utilization of the money involved and also the best utilization of giving the opportunity to have more locals in our region. At the commission level, opinion is also mixed. Commission member Toby Brown doesn't believe a development the size of Diamond Ridge was the intent of the Community Housing Zone District. I do not think that the CH Zone District could have ever conceived of the scale of this project. The idea behind the CH Zone District 
was to seek a way to penetrate existing development zones with distributed community um, housing and importantly, distributed impacts. And to me, this proposal feels like we're moving from like a small arms skirmish to using nuclear weapons. For Commissioner Mary Jo Shalacy, she still has questions about the project, but supports it moving forward. I understand that the rezone will change the Mesa from the vision of the Aldosoro Collins Lavender families. And that saddens me. However, I think we need housing for people who currently are here because of economic decisions we've already made. This isn't about future decisions. This is about decisions that we've already made. We're already behind on housing our people and the pandemic just eviscerated housing for employees. I think we need to plan and to build on all the potential sites. At the end of a seven-hour discussion, in a 3-2-2 vote, the Planning Commission recommended the San Miguel Board of County Commissioners approve the rezone to community housing. Telluride Town Council reaffirmed a decision made by the town's liquor licensing authority at their meeting this week. In February, the authority renewed an arts liquor license for the Telluride Council for the Arts and Humanities for the transfer warehouse. Last month, attorney Joe Solomon filed an appeal on the decision. Solomon represents Jamie and Ann Griffo, who live next to the warehouse. Speaking to council this week, Solomon says the issue isn't whether the warehouse should have a license. Rather, he says, it's narrow. The sole issue that we raise is whether non-artistic events are lawfully conducted there. The standard for compliance with an arts license, Solomon explains, is that an event is deemed to be engaged in a production or performance at all times that visual art is on exhibit. The hearing officer at the liquor license uh, hearing said, well, sure, you can have a wedding because you'll have a piece of art on the wall or something and that satisfies it. My clients just disagree with that. Uh, that's really not engaged in the production or performance. Uh, the performance. The item is not on exhibit. Think about going to a, a museum to look at exhibits or so on. The fact that it that there's a, an event unrelated to an artistic production or performance, it just doesn't satisfy it. According to the Municipal Code, Council must affirm the decision of the Liquor Licensing Hearing Officer, Lois Major, unless it's shown she acted arbitrarily and capriciously or without sufficient evidence, or outside the scope of the law. Neil Cherubin represents Telluride Arts. He argued at this week's meeting that Solomon didn't prove any of that. There's been no allegation that she's, um, that the hearing officer acted outside of her authority, or was acting arbitrarily, or was not following the law. Rather, the complaint seems to be that the hearing officer followed Regulation 47.422 exactly as it was written, which states that the organization shall be deemed to be complying anytime visual art is on display. Visual art has been on display at all times. Council strongly decided to uphold the Liquor Licensing Authority's findings. Here's Mayor Delaney Young. Because I read through the entire packet, as I hope everyone else did, and highlighted the various sections and by the definitions that were posed to us from the state liquor definition of an arts license, 
Council voted 5-0 to uphold the finding. Council members Geneva Shawnette and Dan Enright recused themselves for conflicts of interest. Though Council could not consider it during their public hearing, Solomon also says the state is providing a formal opinion on the question, which he says should be out in 60 to 90 days. Council plans to hear another appeal on a planning and zoning approval for the transfer warehouse at their next meeting on May 10th. Several fluttering flags line Telluride Main Street on a windy April morning in honor of Earth Day. But they're not typical Colorado or U.S. flags. They're blue, with seven interlocking rings in the shape of a flower. The symbolic idea of that is showing that all life is connected in one way or another. And all actions that we do have consequences, either negative or positive. Oscar Pernafelt developed the international flag of planet Earth as a graduation project at Beckman's College of Design in Stockholm in 2015. In a world with state and national flags, he wondered if there could also be planetary flags and the impact that could have. Could we identify ourselves as both Americans and as Earthlings? And I think that broader perspective could really make a change. Pernafelt is now in southern Sweden, since he designed the flag, it's taken off. Now you see it in the streets, you see it on demonstrations. I just the other day found pictures of Jane Goodall holding up the flag at a big peace demonstration. She was actually walking behind it through the demonstration in 2018 in New York City. Hansa Devi is the executive director of a nonprofit based in Ridgeway, pushing for adoption of the flag around the world. The flag itself comes with the message that we need to put Earth first. Debbie hopes the Earth flag can become something people are proud to fly next to their national flags. But on the streets of Telluride, there's some skepticism. Ian Bald thinks it's pretty philosophical and wonders how practical an Earth flag can be. It may be, be construed as us liberals versus those guys, but I mean, maybe that should change and maybe the flag will help it change. Helen Eleven says it feels performative. She doesn't think a flag is going to change anything. I think actions speak louder than flags. Pernafelt agrees a flag alone isn't enough, but he adds he's a designer. So he says he's doing what he can. I know the power of symbols and having something to rally around. And the flag has resonated in unexpected ways. Bernefeld says people with transnational identities and ties to many countries have connected with it. He even says it's made its way onto boats rescuing refugees in the Mediterranean. Having a, like created a symbol that people wanted to use to welcome refugees, it almost makes me cry now. It's, it's amazing. Pernafelt stands by the power of flags and symbols. He points to the rainbow flag Gilbert Baker designed in the late 1970s that has become a symbol for LGBTQ movements. Identity and flags, he says, go hand in hand. Telluride has a new climate action plan. This week, town council approved an update to the plan, originally adopted in 2014, which town had been working on for over a year. I think it captures the sentiments of our community and is a very good launching point. That's Karen Guglielmone, Environmental and Engineering Division Manager for town, briefing council at this week's meeting. The plan is less of a detailed roadmap and more of an umbrella document, 
for how the town will prepare for and respond to climate change over the coming decades, including steps to reach what Guglielmone says is an aggressive goal to become carbon neutral by 2040. That's not even 20 years away. Council is largely enthusiastic about the update, but made one modification to change wording on a goal from requiring secondary structures or buildings to be rented long-term to encouraging that that happen. The new plan was adopted 6-1. to one. Council member Dan Enright, who was the lone no vote, stressed he is for the climate action plan, but disagrees with the last-minute wording change from require to encourage. Explosions and a major fire in downtown Montrose Wednesday injured at least four people and caused the police department to evacuate the area. The Hartman Brothers Medical Supply Warehouse blew up around 3 o'clock, according to the Montrose Press. The cause is not yet known. In a press release, Lindsay Wiley of the Montrose Fire District confirmed Wednesday night four people were taken to Montrose Regional Health. One was in critical condition. They are thought to be Hartman Brothers employees. The Montrose Press is reporting five total injuries. Although no other buildings burned, the fire was quite hazardous to the public. Crews focused on preventing flames from reaching large oxygen tanks and liquid oxygen in the Hartman Brothers' back lot. The fire was confined to the warehouse, and the blaze was contained by 5.30 p.m. In the words of Montrose Fire Protection District Chief Tad Rowan, quote, We lost a building, but we saved a block. The Nugget Theater is heading from Island Quest to Multiverse Adventure. The Lost City screens through Thursday with nightly showings at 7 p.m. Then, this Friday, everything, everywhere, all at once starts a week-long run. At just under two and a half hours, the interdimensional sci-fi film follows an aging Chinese immigrant who can't finish her taxes and has to save the world. Everything Everywhere All at Once is rated R and screens nightly at the Nugget Theater from Friday, April 22nd through Thursday, the 28th. It's incredibly difficult right now to find a place to live in Colorado, and communities are starting to change because of it. KOTO's Scott Franz takes us to a town on the front lines of the housing crisis and reports how state lawmakers plan to help. Steamboat Springs is a ski town on the Yampa River where ranchers, ski bums, and millionaires will often mingle at the same bar. And locals say they cherish this diversity. But even before the pandemic hit, housing was getting more expensive. And Jason Peasley says things were changing. We had had people living in tents up on Buff Pass, multiple families living in, in units really a lot of overcrowding situations and and people just finding whatever they could find. Peasley is the director of the Yampa Valley Housing Authority. Last summer, he took me to watch a potential solution rising out of the ground. In front of us, a dozen carpenters are busy building an apartment complex on the west side of town. He says these 90 units will house firefighters, teachers, and other middle-income workers when it opens later this year. There's going to be a lot of interest. It's going to be a very intense lease-up process with lots of people interested in, in living here, given how short we are on housing supply. 
But it's taken more than four years to get here, and Peasley says this new apartment complex is not going to solve the town's housing crisis. A study done six years ago estimated the city needed 1,000 more units, and this was all before many condos became Airbnbs. The increase in demand and the reduction in supply because of you know units turning over to other uses um, has, I think, put us even further behind. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're out there trying to figure out how can we build the next 90 unit project. State lawmakers say they can help. They're advancing several measures this month to spend about $400 million of coronavirus relief money on affordable housing initiatives. One invests in companies making modular and tiny homes. Another gives cities tens of millions to build more developments like the one in Steamboat. Despite everything we are doing right now, we need to do more. Tamara Pogue is a commissioner in Summit County, another resort area with a housing crisis. She advised lawmakers on how to spend the affordable housing money. She says many Coloradans are running out of time. The mom of one of my daughter's best friends called. She's a teacher, her husband is a property manager, and she said, we, we're done. We can't do this anymore. We're moving to Fort Collins. And for me, it's sort of the proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back. And behind these tough stories are some tough facts. Home prices have nearly doubled in the state over the last decade. Rents in mountain towns jumped 20 to 40 percent last year, and the state says it needs to build 225,000 units to meet the demand. Governor Jared Polis says the bills lawmakers are passing will help get there. It will help create a, a zoning landscape, prefab technology that will uh, help lead to hundreds of thousands of additional units. Many cities are not waiting for state lawmakers to deliver. Voters in mountain towns from Frisco to Leadville passed new taxes on short-term rentals to generate money for long-term housing. Cities also successfully lobbied the legislature to let them spend lodging tax money they collect from tourists on housing and childcare. Back in Steamboat, the Housing Authority is eyeing an even bigger project on ranch land on the west side of town. And lawmakers say the new money about to pour in later this year could help the city install water pipes and other basic infrastructure more quickly. Each project is important, Peasley says, no matter how long they take. Children that, that are born here and they're young and I want them to have an opportunity to live here if they choose to. Who knows if they will, but if I want that to be an option for them in the future. And, and I don't want this community to become a homogeny of people who just happen to have so much money that they can live wherever they want. Five affordable housing bills are still on track to reach the governor's desk as soon as this month, but the money won't start flowing in until later this year. And it could take many more years before projects start to take shape. I'm Scott Franz at the State Capitol. A bill that aims to modernize the mapping of federal lands has cleared Congress and is heading to the president's desk. Will Walkie from KHOL Jackson Hole, Wyoming, has the details. When the American frontier was being established in the 19th century, the U.S. government would often parcel up vast tracts of land in a grid-like pattern. But as private companies and residents gobbled those acres up, some spots that remained public suddenly found themselves surrounded on all sides by private land, no longer accessible to the people who own it. More than 9 million federal acres in the West, 3 million in Wyoming alone, are landlocked. 
That was one of the main reasons Republican Representative Blake Moore of Utah reintroduced the Modernizing Access to Public Land, or MAP Land Act, on the House floor last month. Land users understand firsthand the shortage of information that exists on which lands are open, how they can be assessed, and more. In fact, tens of thousands of important land access files are currently outdated or only in paper form, filling up cabinets in office buildings in office building basements. This just simply isn't good enough for the 21st century. The Map Land Act gives $47 million to federal agencies to digitize maps outlining where public parcels can be accessed, when, and in what manner. Many Western leaders, including both Wyoming senators, sponsored this measure, and the final bill passed both chambers of Congress in bipartisan votes. It now awaits President Joe Biden's final signature. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Will Walkie. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for clear skies tonight with a low around 40 degrees. Friday, expect rain and snow showers with a high around 50 degrees and wind gusts as high as 50 miles per hour. Some thunder is also possible. Friday night, expect snow showers with a low in the mid-20s and wind gusts as high as 30 miles per hour. Some thunder is also possible, along with snow accumulation of 1 to 2 inches. Saturday should be mostly cloudy with a high in the mid-30s and a 50% chance of snow showers. Winds could gust as high as 30 miles per hour. Saturday night calls for partly cloudy skies with a low around 20 degrees and a slight chance of snow showers. Some thunder is also possible. This has been the news for Thursday, April 21st. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, personal commentaries. Hey, San Miguel County graduates, the deadline is approaching for the annual San Miguel Educational Fund Scholarship, and KOTO wants you to apply. The scholarship is awarded each year to a graduating senior with a minimum GPA of 3.0. Weight is given to students who intend to pursue a career in journalism, music, or a related field, and who have a volunteer history with CODO or other community nonprofits. Students should check with their school counselor about how to apply. The application is also available at Kodo.org on the homepage. The scholarship has gone to such notables as Will Plants, Maya Ordonez, Jonah Jodlowski, and Rowan Warren. The recipient of the SMEF scholarship will be chosen by the SMEF Scholarship Committee. So check out the application at KOTO.org and get that application in today. Hi, this is Ashley Bowling, coming to you with a commentary about the Telluride Academy summer program, Circus Holus Bolus. That's right, the circus is coming back to the Big Top, also known as the Elementary School Gymnasium. And this is the 20th year of Circus Holus Bolus. We didn't do it the last two years for obvious reasons, but we're back in 2022 and we're looking for circus performers, i.e. students. Uh, kind of pre-teenish age, 
It's a fabulous program. Sally Davis is a magician with children, and she's bringing most of her family members from various parts of the country to help this summer in uh, Pull All Stops and Go for the Gold Circus Holus Bullus. This is a program of the Telluride Academy. If you'd like more information or you'd like to register, you may call 970-728-5311. Uh, Spaces are limited. We can only take about uh, 15 to 20 students. Students will learn acrobatics, juggling, unicycling. There will be animals, not live animals, but circus animals. And it is such a transformation of the elementary school gym into the big top for circus holus bolus. Don't miss out on it. If you've got children who are thinking about running away and joining the circus, all they have to do is run to Telluride to join Circus Holus Bolus, a program of the Telluride Academy. Call 970-728-5311 to register now. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.